Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. All right, this week is a doozy. This week we get to hear from the legend, Dennis DeYoung. Now, I think everyone pretty much knows, last month he put out what he claims is going to be his very last solo album, 26 East Volume 2. Last year, he put out Volume 1, and I thought at the time that it was the best Dennis solo album yet, but I actually like Volume 2 better. And uh, so if this is really him going out, he is going out with a bang. And I wonder if there's something about that that is that lends itself to the nature of this particular interview. Uh, he, I don't know how else to describe it, but this is Dennis holding court. He is on his soapbox and he's telling you everything you'd want to know about sticks, about the state of the world, about his solo music, about punk rock, prog rock, capitalism, street cred, marriage, family, whatever. It is so fun. If you've ever heard, you probably have because Dennis is making the rounds right now. If you've heard Dennis in other interviews, you know he's hilarious and he's honest and opinionated. And that's exactly what you want from an interviewee. So Dennis doesn't hold back and he's open to anything. I love this. So you don't so much interview Dennis as you do sort of provide guardrails and uh, hold on tight as he leads you down the path. And uh, I love it. Uh, so anyway, this is Dennis. Dennis at his best. And I, we near the end, we talk more about the solo album. So uh, if you haven't heard it, check it out because it is so, so good. What a fantastic way to say goodbye. Also, at, when we did this over Zoom, I had a David Bowie background on my Zoom, my side of the Zoom. He was in his home studio with, I'm not joking, about 40 platinum albums behind him. So he'll reference that right here at the beginning, especially, okay? I thought we should kick it off with Lady, because that's how they kick it off. But for the most part in here, it's uh, talks about sticks and a lot of his solo material. You're going to love it. He called me from his home in Chicago. Here's my Bowie story. Okay. Remember the Alamo? <laughs> Different Bowie. 1972, we, one of our first gigs as Sticks, as our album was being released, as we backed up Bowie at this, in Kansas City at the Soldiers and Sailors Auditorium. He was doing the Red Hair Tour. Ziggy, Ziggy, no. Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. 1,100 people. It held like 2,500. So... I sat in the audience. I didn't know who David Bowie was, really. I, wow. When was ground? When was ground control? Seventy. Uh, Space Oddity, I think, was sixty nine. <clears throat> but he had that sort of as a novelty hit, and then nothing really until Sp uh, Ziggy, which was like seventy one, seventy two. I take that back. I knew that song. Love that song. Mm -hmm. And so I'm watching. I'm sitting in the audience. Who gave a fuck if I was sitting next to him? Apparently nobody. So I'm sitting. Strobe lights, band starts, Bronson, and the whole, you know, mm -hmm. and the whole shiny lot mm -hmm. with high heel shoes. What? <laughs> Doors open, limo pulls up, boy just comes on stage. He didn't even, wasn't even in the building. Just came on, played. He was gone. I thought, does anybody think this is the rock Judy Garland? That was the first thought that went through my mind. Right. Because 
you talk about theatrical and the big vibrato and the uh well you know and yeah. i love bowie but there that was you know i thought holy cow do i have to get those goddamn shoes now that's what i was thinking i mean let's be honest <laughs> so cut good. the bullshit i'm 74 i'm not going to tell you things you want to hear i'll tell you the truth as i remember it that's what we love about you dennis that is so funny and but you know I was looking. <laughs> I was looking back to the early Sticks album covers, and there's the was it the first album of you guys all naked behind the flame or whatever it is. You had your own weirdness going on then too, you know. There's a grand illusion, dude. All manufactured by people who were jack wagons, but we were so needy. Uh-huh. You do what people will tell you, including recording four songs. For your first album, keeping your song like Lady off the damn thing. Mm-hmm. And you, you're you even told to, to cover a George Clinton song. Yeah, not Bill Clinton, <laughs> which would have made more sense. George Clinton. We had tea-stained underpants on, which was what we had to have. We weren't naked. And then we shut that thing, and that, that was it. And we went, we're on fire. And, okay, look, it's all artifice. It's yeah, all horseshit. I is. talked about it on the Grand Illusion. I told the audience, we are creating an illusion. Stop believing in this, or at least be questioning. And pay attention. Don't be fooled by the radio, the TV, and the magazines. I said it. Yeah. And all the people who write about music ignored it. I know. They well, I'm out oh, of my soapbox. Do your rant. You know what, happened? You know what kept, happened in 77? Mm. Punk. Mm. And all the little imbeciles who confused anger, rebellion with music were writing about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So anything intelligent being said was, uh, said was being ignored by the, uh, the horde from the East which I mean England. Mm-hmm. And then it was shortly after that, uh, Malcolm, whatever his name was, <clears throat> the guy who invented the car. Oh, no, that's somebody else. Uh, he came on and said it was all a big ruse that he created. Mm-hmm. And all the little guppies in the press went to give it more, put more books. And I'm you stupid you. Yeah. And so look at, you can put the word punk in front of everything, anything you want. And journalists begin to salivate like little stupids. That's the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Am I off? Not off my soapbox yet. Okay. Too many people have conflated in the rock press from the beginning 
And that rock music has something to do with rebellion in the purest sense against the establishment and the man. And I say, oh, shit. It's not about rebellion to you. I'm not done. I'm pausing. To get, I'm old. I'm trying to get my breath. Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Elvis Presley, Jerry Lewis, Carl Perkins, great, Bo Diddley, anybody who started that stuff, they weren't protesting. They, they were trying. They were trying to protest the man. They were trying to be the man for right out loud. Let me buy a Cadillac. Let me hit a sack full of cash. Let me buy my mama house, Graceland. That's the fact, the reality. It was just the American success story. And these guys were making music that all the people in the South got together and they cross-pollinated this stuff and created it. If you took Little Richard or Elvis and brought him to a Stooges concert, they would have said to themselves, I'm sorry I started all this. <laughs> if this is, That's de-evolution. Mm-hmm. Those guys who invented could sing and play and write. Mm-hmm. Not Elvis, but that voice. Mm-hmm. I'm off my soapbox. So the very, the very thought that this is all about protest against the man, that's a late 60s horseshit theory. Here yeah. it is, like I said again. Yeah. First thing you do as a recording artist is sign a deal with a multinational corporation. You're not protesting the man. You are the man. Yeah, yeah. You are the man, but the artifice, the grand delusion. Look at, do I look suitably pensive and cool? <laughs> so there I am, twenty pounds heavier than I've ever been in my life, standing naked in a ring of fire with Dante's Inferno. You go figure that out. And I'm going to sue David Bowie, that guy behind you, for all the twisted ankles I got with those platform shoes for God's sake. <laughs> Kiss uh-huh. in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for no other reason. I told Gene this, but yeah. for surviving on those boots. That's, That's true. It. That's true. That's true. Now you double down on this on the new album because grand finale, which and I'm going to press you on this. Supposedly this album's your swan song, which makes grand finale literally your grand finale. You double down on the whole press, uh, uh, idea of what the grand illusion was. And you even say in there, deep inside, we're all the same. You see, you believe heavily, it seems like, in the idea of there being a facade and there being reality. And the facade is what we're being sold, what we're being told, the news, 
the rock magazines, punk rock, whatever it is, how you must feel really strongly about that idea because you sing about it periodically. Capitalism and commercialism have, has raised more boats worldwide than any form of government in the history of mankind, but it has its downside. And so with the grand illusion, I'm trying to point out simply in my own way, a little investigating, would you? Pay attention to what's going on here. You know what we're doing here? We, us guys in sticks, we create this illusion. On the other hand, we're trying to sell you this album. Mm-hmm. We're trying to sell you something. We're trying to sell you concert tickets, T-shirts. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's capitalism. Yeah. But remember, all the advertising, the whole system is based on one simple premise. You have to convince people that they need something they don't. Mm-hmm. By making them feel as though their life was less without the product. Mm-hmm. That's the system. I'm not a communist, a socialist, I'm a capitalist. Mm -hmm. But hey, can we pay attention? Mm -hmm. Just pay attention. That's all. Understand, Mm -hmm. this is entertainment. Mm -hmm. Some bands, some artists got away with it beautifully by pretending they were something they weren't. Yeah. Manufactured. And to this day, I I still see a lot of them, you know, wandering around in their 60s and 70s trying to look like they're 22. I'm sorry, when I looked at it, to each his own, said the lady, you should kiss the cow's ass. But to me, they look like they're the homeless. I don't know what it is. Old people that look like that, they don't look cool. They look needy. Mm-hmm. Now, people mm-hmm. are going to look at me and say, what is this asshole? He looks like a, he should be in Miami Beach sipping a drink. We don't need him. Okay, fine. Don't need me. I don't care. I, D.C. I don't care. Yeah. I make yeah. music. I give you my expressions, my thoughts on chords and melody. I make it all up. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm a big faker like everybody else in this universe. But I give you this music and I tell you my point of view about my life and what I see around me, hoping you'll find yourself in my story. Mm-hmm. That's all I do. That's and so right. when I make the records, people say, Dennis, what's your favorite song? Don't have one. I don't because after I've made this music and sent it out there into the, the ether, it's yours. Yeah. It's fine. It's what it means to you. So is this really going to be your swan song? I called Robert Plant to make sure it was okay to even use those words. I don't want to be sued. <laughs> but um, this is it. Yes. This is going to be the As end of album. recorded music. For you. Albums. Yeah. I never said it would be my last recorded music. If I write a song, you see this all behind me? Here? Yeah. Uh, that, that goes on and on and on. For, anyway. This is where I make the music. If I have a song I want to write, I'll record it. But I'm not making an album because it's antithetical to everything that's going on. Yeah, Singles are king. My audience is old. A, a small portion will always bitch and moan in a nice way. Dennis, we love we new music for you. Then they don't buy it. Yeah, And they sit there and wait for you to play Come Sail Away. Yeah, I don't blame them. I want to hear the hits when I go to a concert. If you get some narcissistic, egocentric artist, musician, whatever you want to call them, that stands up there, I'm just so tired of playing my big hits. <laughs> what? You may have made a poor career choice. Are you out yeah. of your mind? Ask them that question when they're starving and dying to have a hit record, these right. hypocritical jerk-offs. Sure, you get tired of playing the same song for 50 years. Guess what? You play a few notes, I play the 
laid. I play a few notes. People applaud. Mission accomplished. Yeah. 50 years later, are you? This is like the height of the facade. Yeah. Am I right? I, of course, you're right. Well, that was always the dichotomy of like going back to punk. Yes, I do believe in your heart of hearts, you're a rebel, but you also would give your left nut to be signed by a major label and be millionaires and have your music loved and adored by millions of people. Every artist ultimately kind of wants that, you know, if they can, if they can hang on to some street cred in the process, great. I don't even know what street cred is. I mean, you know, I, I think it's, 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 it's made up shit. Here's what I think. Human beings are simple. You too, John. You want your mom and your dad's love and approval or your grandma or grandpa, whoever the hell raised you. It's what we want. We want to fundamentally feel approved, loved, don't we? Mm-hmm. That's what we want. That's why we do what we do. And beyond that, whether you throw a baseball, kick a football, star in a movie, make music, do interviews, we're always looking for that love we think we've missed. Connection. We don't feel complete. There's a hole. The most ambitious of us feel the hole even bigger. Yeah. So that's what we want first and foremost. We want to feel like, you know, we're appreciated. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I want. My mother, I played accordion because I grew up in an Italian neighborhood. My mother was Italian. Accordion playing was the law. And you can see it right there. It's in there. So I wanted to make my mom smile. That's how it starts. Mm-hmm. And then it, dev- it it turns into something else. But even these punks or whoever, they're looking for, they're looking for you know, strangers to love them. Mm-hmm. Johnny Rotten has said it. He's told us that it was all a big joke. Yeah. And who he didn't he say it? I mean, he said, look, you know. Yeah. So you ever feel like you it, got cheated? That was you you want to know what schizophrenia You want to know what rock criticism schizophrenia is? Mm. Punk prog. Somebody is in a garage somewhere trying to come up with punk prog as we speak, you know? Yeah, you know, you got uh, the two angel and the devil on the critic show. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. <laughs> Jesus. You know what I think? Look, at rock and roll started as this. Music made by older people yeah. for teenagers to jump around with and try to you know, control their hormones. It was dance music originally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Two types of dancing jitterbugging and then this slow dancing i always preferred this Mm -hmm. touchy feely stuff that's how it started and then all kinds of highfalutin things were assigned to it as the culture changed in the middle to late 60s everything became a protest against everything but essentially that's how it started you look at the hall of fame people the first 20 they put in 30 they're entertainers yeah that's true that's true that's all they are You, it's interesting that you're touching on this. I was going to bring it up later. Your theatrical nature, your uh, entertainment, uh, entertainer nature has been prevalent certainly since the peak years of Sticks on till now. You probably get asked this a lot. I mean, I know you did Jesus Christ Superstar. Was there ever a moment where you could have gone that direction and focused more on Broadway or acting or writing musicals or show tunes and you stuck with rock and roll 
And if so, why? Stories you don't know. 83 Tommy Shaw quits on stage on us, the, the four guys during the Kill Ray tour. By his own admission, he was he was not in his right place mm-hmm. from abusing drugs and alcohol. He said it. Uh, he quit sticks. Sticks. Mm-hmm. He quit sticks. Mm-hmm. The other four of us went, what? The other three guys want me to replace him. On the spot, they were so pissed. I said, uh, I don't think you have a good grasp of how this thing works, this sticks thing. You know, I didn't know. So Tommy went and pursued a solo career, which is what he wanted to do. Okay. We didn't really get that incarnation back together until 75 and 6. I could tell you the whole story, but I don't want to bore myself. So we got back together and did two huge reunion tours, 96 and 97. Okay. But in 91, when there was the, the hint that Tommy was coming back, Things got muddled and mixed. He went and joined Damn Yankees. Mm-hmm. The other four of us were talking about making an album. So J.Y. Fon, Glenn Burton, we made an album. We did a tour. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the same, just as I predicted it wouldn't be the same. Right. And then I wrote Show Me The Way, a number three record. And I produced that album. It was a gold album. couldn't get a record deal 1992 you want to know why grunge yeah Yeah, grunge and you know what i've always said flannel makes me itch (laughs) and i was another thing i said it smells like wet flannel this is the whole thing it a bunch of us went whoa if you didn't have a record deal you were screwed yeah but i said we got the offer to go on the road right after and do a bunch of like you know, the the mundane county hot dog and beer festival with a, holo, a roller coaster and a classic rock band. I says, I don't want to do that. Yeah. We're better than that. We're bigger than that. That's stupid. Yeah. So I just didn't go back. I just mm-hmm. said, that's it. Then my brother-in-law in 1993, I never met him. He marries my wife's sister. I go out to the, the wedding. This is true. I'm telling you about Broadway now. Stay with wow. me, John. Okay. I go out to the wedding. The guy is Forbes Candlish. He is the executive producer of the 20-year reunion of Jesus Christ Superstar, starring Ted Neely, Carl Anderson, the guys in the movie, and Irene Cara as Mary Magdalene. So he says to me at the reception, I want you to be Pontius Pilate. I said, you know, every six months or so, Forbes, you should empty your bong water. 
I didn't have a job. And he kept pursuing me. Come on. I'm a Sticks fan. I'm a rocker. I have my own band. You are, the, you can do that. I took the job that I had bought Broadway. No, I was waiting for Tommy Shaw to come back to Sticks so we could do what was the right thing to do. He was off damn Yankee in it someplace. So there I am, Pontius Pilate, crucifying Jesus 280 times. I mean, come on. I was good. Yeah. Okay, fine. Danny Goldberg sees me do it in L.A., running Atlantic Records. He managed me for two years. Dennis, you're very good. Want to make a Broadway album? I said, is there dough involved? <laughs> yeah. I'll do one. I record 10 on Broadway. I have often walked down the street before, but the pavement's always stayed beneath my feet before. All at once am I several stories high, knowing I'm on the street where you While I'm out on the road giving out lashes, the hell my god, I think, you know what, I don't want I don't want to I don't want to be an actor in these things. It's eight shows a week, John. There's only seven days. I don't want to do that. I'm a rock star. Yeah. I'm royalty in the music business and in show. You know, back in those days, did you ever meet an actor that didn't want to be me? Not necessarily know. me, but be a rock star. Right. That's tits right. at yeah. the top of the food chain. So I decide maybe I'll write one of these things. I wrote the Hunchback I, I, as a, as a, you know, because I was bored.
got producers, and there that this this is how it goes down that path. I never one time, hmm. never once pursued a Broadway career. What I did theatrically with Sticks was what I learned from Alice Cooper. What right. I watched the show, I said, "Hey, that's cool." Yeah, that's yeah. cool stuff. And so I started to look at theater stuff and say, "Okay, <clears throat> let's use that." Let's steal that and put it into a rock context. That's all I ever did. Okay. All this stuff about me being, you know, Liza with the Z was concocted by two guys who were trying to appease the fan base who were furious over my replacement in 1999. Okay. So now I'm, you know, suddenly I'm Irving Berlin, for God's sake. The guy who wrote Sweet Man of Blue and The Grand Illusion. No. Was I good at writing it? Damn right. Hunchback's yeah. going to be produced. It's opening the Skylight Theaters, musical theaters uh, season, or closing it in Milwaukee next year. Yeah, it's good. Okay, but follow me. I'm almost done. I wanted to be in the Beatles, not in Sound of Music. I didn't see my first Broadway musical until I was in my 20s. Didn't care. Wanted to be in the Beatles. But because Tommy Shaw was doing his thing, and I was convinced that sticks needed to be those guys. Yeah. yeah. Magic, for whatever celestial reason, when certain people get together, they make something bigger than themselves. Mm -hmm. You know this. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got into Broadway. Okay. My brother-in-law, okay. Danny, oh, sure. You know me, I'm like a pinball. I'm wandering through life with no plan. Things <laughs> happen. I took the job. Mm -hmm. That's how it happened. So, Interesting. That's that is the okay. fact, not the horseshit. You know Got what it. you could do? You could Google it. You could watch well, it. You could see it right there. Well, it's interesting, and I assume I'm picking up what you're laying down. The guys uh, who are currently in sticks like to brand you as being this. You know, I wasn't into robots, or it was a little too theatrical for me because they want to come across as more of like a hard rock group, and they probably <laughs> see. Is that what I'm? That's the. Uh, that's the impression that I get, you know? Oh, Dennis was this theatrical thing that didn't jive with our hard rock sensibilities. You know what I mean? I made Tommy Shaw into a prog hard rocker. Yeah. You know why? Hmm. He came to my house to audition. Never picked up a guitar. He sang the high part on Lady. And I said to him, he played tapes reel to reel. I said, is that your song? Yeah, that was Crystal Ball. Hmm. Is that you playing guitar? Yeah. I said, you're hired. Because he could sing and play that guitar. Play an acoustic guitar.
Renegade was not a rock song when you brought it into the band. I turned it into a rock song. Three That's part my favorite stick song, by the way. Ah, uh, good for you. Okay. <laughs> now, talk to the guy, I'm still away, you jack wagon. Anyway. Well, I know. I'm sorry you didn't technically write it, but when you said that you made it what it is, I thought it was safe for me to tell you. Listen to Crystal Ball. Did you go to my Facebook ever? Oh, yeah. I, I go there a lot. Look at the, the one on Crystal Ball. There is a recording of the demo that Tommy gave to me and the other guys in the band the day he the day he auditioned and listened to it. Okay. It's Crosby. It's America. Yeah. It's all done in three-part harmony, all acoustic guitar, no crystal ball hook, no synth, no prog, no rock. Yeah. Yeah. That's his he's brilliant. Uh-huh. With that acoustic guitar in his hand, he's as good as anybody. And that's how he writes. He brought in Renegade, same way. Acoustic guitar, three-part harmony, beautiful like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, America. Mm-hmm. First of all, he has no lead vocal on Crystal Ball in the original version. He didn't sing by himself. Mm-hmm. You know the song, Helplessly Hoping When Harlequins Hover? It's yeah. just like that. Interesting. It, it, wow. it was a great song. And I yeah. thought, I said, mm, first of all, we have to sing the hook. First of all, it's got to turn in, where's the big crash boom that sticks to us? <laughs> It's <laughs> the great boom bang. Soft, right. soft, soft, boom. Okay. So I said, you've got to sing this by yourself, Tommy. Two reasons. I was on the road with him for four months before we recorded it. I saw what a rock star he was as a performer. I said, mm, we were all singing around a microphone, three-part harmony. Crystal Ball is such a personal song. Mm-hmm. It's got to be sung by you, by yourself. And when you sing it, you don't sing it in position left stage. You sing it in the center mic because you're a star. Yeah. And all boats rise with the tide. So same thing with Renegade. I said, no, three people don't sing. This is this one guy telling the story, Tommy, it's you. And it's a song called Renegade. It didn't sound like a Renegade. Mm-hmm. It's too beautiful. The harmonies are beautiful harmonies. You, oh, imagine. Now Oh, mama, I'm in right. fever. That is making so much more sense now. Yes. He and I come in and sing together and make the three-part harmony. Mm-hmm. It's just me and him. How beautiful is that? It's the best. That's the so whole originally, song. Yeah, th- that's what I'm realizing now. That first part is what he had in mind for the entire song originally. But the acoustic guitar is playing behind yes. all that. Yes. That, wow. That's brought. I, we're standing on the stage and I went, song about a renegade. You've got to sing it. And I said these words to him. What would it sound like if you rocked this song? Mm-hmm. He picked up his Les Paul because he is Tommy Shaw. He's in my house, 22 years old, looking like a 16-year-old girl. No, I don't mean that. I mean, got this beautiful, long, blonde hair. He's small. Mm-hmm. And he's just nothing more than a, a dynamo of pure talent. Yeah, And I think. He walked into my house. Okay. So he goes, picks it up like a dum 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 dum. He started playing it. I said, John, Chuck, follow him. The song was born as a rock song. Now, did I write that song? No. But I just recognized who he is. Yeah. You made it. And that's it. So, 
This is a story you could read in a million places. I've been telling this story only because somehow in 1999, when they did Behind the Music and replaced me because I was sick and they didn't think I was going back on the road, two guys, not a band, don't see the word sticks, it sounds like five. Chuck retired. The three of us were left. I got very ill. We were making a new album, even though I was sick. They knew I was sick. It was time to book a tour. I said, I'm feeling better. I figured out what's wrong with me. I'm light sensitive from the virus that I got. I'm a long hauler, John. When I first got sick, I lost my, my sense of taste and smell. I had a high fever. Everything that you would associate, I didn't have purple toes. I went to the doctors. What's wrong with me? I can't get better. I'm tired all the time. I feel like I have, what do I have? Yeah. No one could identify it. I said, my taste and everything's gone. They went, hmm. Do you hear what I just said? That's yes. what happened. Yes. So the high fever caused light sensitivity. So my eyes couldn't, couldn't deal, you know, couldn't mm -hmm. deal with the ultraviolet rays anymore. Mm -hmm. Give me another. I discovered it on my own by realizing I feel a little bit better when it's cloudy <laughs> or at night. Mm -hmm. So I said, give me six more months. I need my strength back. No, we got to go now. They went. They replaced me. So to tell a narrative that's better than this one. Well, our sick colleague, we don't want to wait for him. We're getting rid of this load. Mm -hmm. They decided they would tell the story, which was amplified around the world on behind the music, that they were going to relitigate Kilroy from 1983, Babe from 1979, as a reason why. If there's anything you didn't like is about sticks, that's that that guy's the blame for it. Oh. Now we had just come off two hugely successful reunion tours in '96 and '97. '98, I got sick. '99, I'm out mm. in February. Now, that's the true story. When they first started to replace me, they released this these these. This was their mantra on the, on their. Uh, on their website and in their interviews, Dennis has retired and passed the, bat the baton to Tommy. That's what they initially said. <laughs> I don't think that's true. It was never true. Yeah. I kept begging them, wait for me. <clears throat> I'm going to be better. Now there, there, there's, I've dispelled the Broadway theory. Mm. I fell into it all. Why? No, Tommy quit the band. Yeah. I Never made Desert Moon or my any solo album. If Tommy stayed, I'd been. In, I was where I wanted to be in a band. Yeah. Because here bands do. Bands have Tommy Shaw. Yeah. They have James Young. They have the Panazzo Brothers. You know, you don't have to bear the whole burden yourself. Right. And I wanted. To, I wanted to be. I didn't want to be Elvis. I wanted to be in the Beatles. Yeah. And yeah. when they broke up, you're not as good on your own. You need um, to be with each. I have a question about that. I was curious, going back, getting ready to talk to you, I went back and listened to Desert Moon again. And I was curious, while, while I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, is there something about this album that if Dennis had still been with the guys, he wouldn't have been able to do? And I wondered if being solo then freed you up in some way to tell a six-minute story like Desert Moon. Is this the train to Desert Moon? Was all she said. 
But I knew I'd heard that stranger's voice before. I turned to look into her eyes, but she moved away. She was standing in the rain, trying. Would you have presented a song like that to the guys had you all still been a band? And if so, what would they have said, do you think? It would have been a uh, maybe a number one hit for Sticks. You think so? Yeah, we'd have got together and arranged it differently. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been six minutes. It would have been a single cut down to four minutes and 40 seconds. Because most of that, what you're talking about, is the guitar solo that goes on forever. No, not at all. I don't want to be freed up. Hmm. Then give a shit. Here's what I decided in my solo career i won't do sticks that's sacred belongs to the guys i'll reinvent myself now what am i going to do maybe i'll become black sabbath no i'm not good at that but i can write you a ballad i can write you a pop song i can write you a you know a rock song like don't we sure. in my genre, the way i do mm-hmm. that's what i did in my solo career i didn't I didn't step over the line and become sticks, could I? Well, you listen to 100 Years From Now, my album from 2000. You listen to these last two volumes. Can I be sticks if I want to? Yes. That's it. Yeah. But I wasn't going to do that. So people, oh, he's gone soft. What will our prognoggins do with this? We don't know how to handle <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Just doing something different. I have to ask. Where in the world did Boys Will Be Boys come from? Well, me and my buddies, we were just driving in my car the other night. It was the first day of summer, I couldn't believe my eyes. I just rolled down my window, I stuck my head out of it. Oh, girls, can't you see that word? Looking for action, cruising and acting so cool. We're rocking and rolling, we're trying to find some. That song is bananas. I think it came from up my ass. <laughs> that's uh, probably that's a good answer. Seriously, what what inspired you to write a song like that? Girls just want to have fun. Oh, really? Totally. Really, I like that. Think about it. 
she's a girl, I'm a boy. Yeah. Um, just telling you what girls want and they do. I'm telling you what boys want and do. It was just fun. Techno driven. Remember, it was 1984. Go back and look at the charts. That's all I was doing. I said, okay, am I going to do Castle Walls? Sweet Man of Blue? I'll do this. Uh-huh. Because by that time, hey, Prague died in 1979. Didn't anybody tell anybody? Can't keep doing that. What happened to Yes? Well, they came back. What'd they come back with? 90125, owner of a lonely heart. That's a right. pop song. Yeah, they went pop. So, I know people like to subdivide, especially people who write, gonna put it in a box because they can't, writers can't ever, they can't write about music. You can't. You gotta say this sounds like that. You gotta compare it. Music is magic. It's magic. Sound waves, there is. You got your favorite book? Have you written it? Have you have you have you read it a hundred times? I don't think so. Favorite movie? Did you watch fifty? T- your favorite song? Over and over. It's magic. Over yeah, it's yes. magic because it makes you the captain mm-hmm. of the ship. You listen. You go where you want to go, and you remember the things you want to remember. And they're signposts to human existence. This stuff, this music I create. Now, when I was doing this, I didn't know that's what I was doing because I was just trying to kick Queen's ass, for God's sakes. I wanted to beat the shit out of Aerosmith. Yeah. I didn't care about that. But over the years, I, 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 I talked to the fans of the band and me, concerts, Facebook, so, and YouTube, they tell these stories. I go, I just did a best of times thing. Uh, on the, uh, the you know, like in my iPad during the pandemic. Got a million two hundred thousand views, and and I looked at it. I, I was so stunned. I'm not Taylor Swift. I thought, how did that? Happen? And I read the comments. Nine thousand comments, whatever the hell it is. My name was in all these sentences, but it didn't look like it belonged there. Dennis is God's gift to music. I thought, well, it's time to have a conversation with God, because I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Yeah. Suddenly, you see how people are. I'm elevated and I'm a kid with an accordion beetle dreaming. That's all. And I wrote some songs you like, and you like some of you like my voice. Others wish they would have, they would rather have dental surgery. (laughs) I can't please you all. Uh, So, but when I look back at it in totality, I don't belong on a pedestal. That's where you want me. If it makes you feel better, send all the cards and letters to me and the checks. It's okay. Because then I'll use it to support my family. Right. But realistically, I am so proud of what I contributed to Sticks. Because after Lady was a hit, and I directed the band toward Equinox, because I knew after Sticks 2, which is five songs. Have I said this? I've done so many interviews. Stop. No, no, continue. Sticks 2 was my coming out party as a writer. Five of the seven songs were mine including Lady. Jay Way had no songs. I gave him two of my songs to sing. It's a band. Mm-hmm. And it failed so badly. I thought, oh, God, they hate Dennis DeYoung. Mm-hmm. And then the next two albums, I tried to be anyone but myself, mm-hmm. convinced that I was a schmuck. And then Lady becomes a, a, a worldwide hit mm-hmm. and sticks to Ghost Gold. I said, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. Sally I was Sally Fields. Yeah. They love me. 
They really like me. So then I said, it's Equinox. We make Equinox, one of the very best sticks albums. Mm -hmm. I write seven of the eight songs, then I sing everything. One song we have is a, is a, is a me and J, JC together. But I said, this is where we got to go. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. And sounds like I'm bragging. You can look it up. It's fast. You were the one that caught the zeitgeist. No one else did. Those hit songs were yours. And as I've said before, because when they replaced me in 1999, they took this jewel of a fan base so loyal that they gave us four triple platinums consecutively. That's a fan base. And, and they split it. And so now the fan base has been forced to take sides. Why? You shouldn't have to pick between Tommy and me or JY and me or a band. You loved us as a band. That's how we should be perceived. And I've made this plea to fans. Please don't argue with all this hate-filled speech about them, those guys or me. This was not the goal. The goal was to bring people together to yeah. love stick. Screw queen. I'll tell you why. You go today, go back to Sticks One and listen to a song called What Has Come Between Us. Look at all the people looking at their dreams. Smiles upon their faces. Tell me what they see. Look at all the people. Have they gone astray, living for tomorrow with dreams of yesterday? Lovely lady, tell me what you feel. As a child, were you mild? Cause it made you so unreal. What has come between us? What has made us say? Childhood's forgotten, yet it's hiding in the past. What has come between us? Is something in our sails? <clears throat> that sticks, but it sounds like Queen as well. Guess what? That's a year before they, they even made a record. Oh, my God. A year. Wow. And another thing, they were successful before us. We wallowed in anonymity for four albums because we didn't have a record company. Mm -hmm. But nobody in the band ever heard Queen until 75 when she got your more song on it. That's the first time we heard it. I heard it and went, oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. But we didn't copy him. No. And they didn't copy us. No, it's just a coincidence. So. It's just what was happening at the time. I have one other question that I wanted to ask you about your solo career prior to the new album, because I want to talk about that too. I've had Alan Shacklock on here a couple of times. And we talked Lovely. about the Lovely. great guy. And we talked about, he loved making Boom Child with you. And I wondered if what your recollections of that album were, because at that point, Desert Moon had done really well, but the... Guys like you weren't having big hits by 89 
or whatever even more anymore. Even the Phil Collins and the Steve Winwoods were that was their last gasp of high peak popularity too. What was your feeling about Boom Child? Irving Azoff was my friend, and he wanted to sign. He had just become president of MCA Records, or he had been president for a couple of years. He wanted to sign me away from A and had a three record deal with them. They he bought it up and put me on MCA, and then something terrible had happened. He left MCA. When the president of a record company who signs you leaves, mm-hmm. the next guy has no vested interest in your success. Right. So I made Boomchild, and Alan came over from England. He brought a lot to the brought to the recordings, and at a certain point, I said, "Alan, that's it. I'm going to mix this stuff because that's what I do." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Alan went back to England. Lovely guy. He brought in a. He's really, he was. I got nothing bad to say about Alan. And it was released. And, oh, and so the first single is going to be picked. And my buddy, Larry Salters, who was still running the video department at MCA, said, I want to spend a lot of money on a song, but I got to have a video. He went to Boom Chow, the album title. going to make it this he spent two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the video mm. my last video cost me four hundred dollars anyway but i want to do boom chow yeah all right he brings these australians in we shoot it they go down to australia to edit it video Oof. they they held it for six months oh it fucked up everything so I finally get it. And it was during the time Tommy Shaw called me up and said, I want to come back to Sticks. Mm-hmm. I said, Tommy, I got this record coming. Let, let this record come out. Let's not confuse, like, I don't want to release it, my album and a Sticks album. Mm-hmm. That's not right. Mm-hmm. So the video goofed up Boom Chow. Beneath the Moon should have been the first single because it's the best song.
Moonshell's cool, but there's a difference between cool and a song that a hit single is something that appeals to a white audience. Mm -hmm. That was the song. So that got goofed up. But, you know, Boom Child, I, I listen to him, I go, hey, the guy is good. Uh, still not a Sticks record. Nothing on there is really no, Sticks. No, it's not. It's very much you. It's me. Yeah. But my favorite me is the keyboard player and singer in Sticks. That's my favorite me. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Um, okay. It's I want to talk about the, what's that? It's interesting, this shit, isn't it? It is. Well, it's, uh, I wonder, you know, it's funny. I went into this, my plan for this conversation was to not, I, I worry that Dennis is always being asked to drudge up uh, stick stories. And I wanted you to know that I, I loved you for who you are and your solo stuff. And I want to ask you a lot about the new album, but there's just no escaping the sticks side of your story and of your history. There's no escaping. You it. know, you know what I just heard? Two writers, we got six and I, we got an album coming out at the same time. Mm. Their albums, you know, comes out one week after mine. Mm. I don't know if you know that. Mm. So that we're, we're doing interviews and I, I've been told by two writers and five guys at radio that they've been instructed, if you're going to do an interview with these guys, not to bring up Dennis DeYoung. What? You can ask me anything. You, want. you can ask me anything you want about sticks. I will tell you the truth as I remember it. Right. I have nothing to hide. Wow. Ask me. You're not. Gonna, have you ever had an interview this honest? No. I'll tell you. No. I'll. I'll tell you what I know. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm going to ask you one super nerdy. One of my listeners sent me a super nerdy sticks question for you. Um, okay. Why was the song unfinished song on the eighties re-release of man of miracles, but not on the initial release? Say that there'll come a day that. 
says he thinks it's one of your best songs. This is my friend Brian Lennon, by the way. And that the, uh, but the original was left off the album. Why was that? RCA records are stupid. <laughs> it's that simple, huh? <laughs> they took all our album covers and made them into cartoons. They redid all the album art. It's a joke. But our lesson was learned. Unfinished Song was the original song to be on Man of Miracles. And they were desperate for us to have a hit record. So it was suggested we cover Lies by the Knickerbockers, which we okay. did. Yeah. Who cares? Nobody. But I learned the lesson of record companies. When I moved to AM, we did Equinox. I said, I will never give any record company extra songs or versions that they can do what they want with contractually. So when Styx made all the records under my oversight, <clears throat> we decided in advance which songs would be on each album. Only one song in all that time was ever turned down. One, JY wrote a song called Chain Me Down for the Grand Illusion. And nobody in the band was, you know, it was okay. Mm -hmm. And then he came up with Miss America. Oh. Praise JY. Yeah. Jamie down went, goodbye. Mm -hmm. But there are no extra. That's where he came. Oh, we uncovered sticks mm -hmm. with. No. Because I said, don't give them the power. Yeah. If we want to do it, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. Here's the funny thing. There were never any songs. Great or crap written other than the ones you hear on the records. Really? There weren't any hidden. Oh, J.Y. was, he was hiding. Dennis had this. Hmm. We wrote the songs. We talked about them and we recorded them. Hmm. That's how it worked. So yeah. if somebody says, well, this album doesn't have this. Well, then nobody wrote this. <laughs> that's great that's it yeah if you gotta listen i was it i always wanted to be able to write one of the great all-time rock songs i don't think i've ever done that i've written some pretty i think good you've written ones. about half a dozen of them john will you call me every morning wake me up and tell me this i will happily <laughs> yeah because this life is shit now All so right. anyway <clears throat> uh, what i consider oh man yeah you know, when I, here's, what, how, here's how I adjust songwriting. Simple. Geez, I wish I'd have written that. Mm. <laughs> Geez, I wish I'd have had that idea. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm good at certain things. Mm. I can make you proggy. Mm -hmm. I can take you on a journey with that, that, that thing. Mm -hmm. I can write you a ballad. <clears throat> I can even write a decent pop tune. Mm -hmm. But, um, so, Tommy didn't have 10 great rock songs that he didn't get on records. This is nonsense. Neither did Jay White. These are the songs we had. Remember, tour, 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 album. We're just, so we wrote them, recorded them, <clears throat> went out on tour. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you had. Okay. I want to talk about some of the new songs. I think you're, I think the 26 East volume two is my favorite Dennis DeYoung solo album. And that's saying a lot because I thought volume one was my favorite Dennis DeYoung solo album. I love these. And if this is your final statement as an artist, as a singer, 
final album than you went out in style. So you've mentioned the Beatles a few times. Hello Goodbye is such a perfect love letter to I'm imagining seeing them on Ed Sullivan changing your it changes your life. If this is really your last statement, what were you trying to say to, about the Beatles with Hello, Goodbye? I think what you just said. Really? <clears throat> this is from the song. It is a love letter. It's from a fan. Yeah. Who tries to musically pay homage by using their song titles and lyrics, mm. explaining what they meant to people like myself. Mm. So... Usually, I'm very critical of what I do. Mm -hmm. Never happy. Ask the guys in sticks. He's a pain in the ass. He's always looking for something better. That's me. I'm pushing the envelope constantly on myself. Mm -hmm. Because I think I've got to be better than everybody else just to get noticed. Mm -hmm. So, I finished the mix right in this room of hello, goodbye, all done by myself. I'm in this room alone. Wow. I jumped up. And I started dancing around screaming, I did it, I did it. Because at that moment, <clears throat> I knew that song turned out the way I wanted it to. Yes. So often the records don't. They turn out okay, but the thing in your head doesn't get on to the vinyl as it were. <clears throat> but that one was. Yeah. Uh, my, my three favorite songs, that, Misanthrope, Your Saving Grace. Those are my th my three favorite. Mine. I don't care what you like. You're you're entitled. Right. And then, you know, right. it doesn't matter. I, I hope you like something. I love uh, it all. When my engine stalled and I began to fall, suddenly I couldn't stand. No parachute or landing gear. Gone in the dead of night. So I said my prayers and suddenly I saw a light Shining through the clouds above Showing me the kind of love that I'd never known And I wonder how my heart could ever thank you You 
Um, you're right. Okay. Wait, man, let me tell you. Yeah. You're smart. You're smarter than I thought. Oh, thank uh, you. Because when I when I couldn't get you on the Zoom, I said, "Where's this? Where's this guy?" Your guy messed up on the time. It was not my fault, by the way. Thank Chris God. Stuck I can, yesterday. I can fire him. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, I can't. So, <laughs> the the thing is, what were we? To, oh, who's better than one? Five yeah. two's better than one. And uh, as I said. When I sat down and do these records, you know, being cold and coerced by Jim Peterick and Serafino Perugino, I, I said, it's a concept album. Here it is. Don't suck. That's the concept. That's the concept. Don't suck. Don't suck. You Nothing nailed else. it. So two's better than one. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be that way, but it turned out that way. And I thought one, man, people, here's the thing. Nobody. Sticks was very successful. Uh, yeah, I've never seen so and many platinum albums. <laughs> lots of lots of good, uh, lots of ticket sales. Yet, yeah. you know, the stuff people wrote about us. Well, number one, it was wrong. It was wrong-headed. We discussed that. But now, these last two records, the things that they're writing about my records, I've never read that stuff before. <laughs> uh, so it's it, it's extremely. I was extremely grateful that it happened. I Jim Peterick is the guy that talked me into doing it. That's great. Uh, otherwise, I, I'm, I don't care. IDC, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You like me? Go listen to Come Sail Away. That's me. You babe? Is that what you like? Okay. But I'm glad I did. I'm glad guys guys like you have been telling me this. It's not the first, you know, oh, good. Not, like, not hiding their feelings going, well, why did you do that? Did you no. think? Okay. No. So, yeah, two's better than one. You're yeah. right. It's great. It is so good. Okay, I want to know about Proof of Heaven. Now, I don't have like a hard copy where I can read the lyrics. I'm not the world's best lyric person anyway. But I know, I believe that you at least started out as a devout Catholic. Maybe you still are. 
Is there some feelings about God and religion and heaven and the afterlife? You sing on about some of that in that song. What are you really trying to say there? Can you sue Wikipedia? Is it possible to sue them for putting stupid <laughs> things? I was I trying to do my research before I talked. You to did. I, I was never a devout Catholic. Oh, oh, okay. I read. I read that somewhere because it's on Wikipedia. Oh, is that where it is? Okay. Started there. They okay. also said I'm a self-taught keyboard player. No, I'm not. I had accordion lessons for seven or eight years. I'm a self-taught piano player. Hmm. Okay. Now, proof of heaven. There's only one question, John. Just one. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Yeah. Why are we here? Why this grand well, illusion? Proof of Heaven investigates that. Mm-hmm. That there proof of the lyrics online. But here's the thing. <clears> that was supposed to be on volume one. Uh, and then Peter Rick asked me, can I have a song to put on his his record mm-hmm. that he was making? And I said, take proof of heaven. And we did it. I don't know okay. the answer. Nobody okay. knows the answer. Anyone who claims who knows the answer is making it up. Human beings need to substitute hubris with humility. Mm. And if the pandemic has not taught us anything, is that nobody knows nothing. Mm-hmm. And settled science is this. The minute the Big Bang went off, science was settled. Mm-hmm. It, it, science, is a, science is very big. You ever see it? You can't fit it in my house. It's big. And human beings, the unsettled science is just that human beings don't know what it is. And my favorite thing that I ever read is this line. Scientists were astonished to find. Okay. (laughs) If these guys that study it are astonished, what is a jerk like me going to fucking make out of it? I don't know. Right. Don't you agree? Yeah. I wondered if that was you expressing your own feelings or opinions on the matter. Show me the way. Every night I say a prayer in the hope that there's a heaven. Yeah. That's mankind. Yes. Now, people, they know. Yeah. They're convinced. And I think, really? Yeah. I to myself, okay, then the people who are very religious are going to say, Dennis, check this psalm and verse or whatever the hell. And I think to myself, some guy wrote that. I love that you said it that way because I've gone in and out of my own faith and sometimes it's strong and sometimes it's not. But what I always come back to is that I am 100% comfortable having hope. I have hope that there's an afterlife and I have hope that families will be together forever. And I have hope that heaven exists and there's all these great things, but I don't know that for sure. And if my, when my logic and my intellect gets in the way, Uh, It talks me out of all kinds of things, but at the core of it all, I hope that there's good things and there's no, nothing wrong with hope. It's not unintellectual. It's not overly emotional. It's not unacademic. It's just what's wrong with hoping, you know, nothing wrong with that. Did you you see the video Isle of Misanthrope? No, I haven't seen the video, but I was going to ask you about the song. Sing. But when we heard 
carrying cars. All the people laughed and built a wall. How we joyfully rehearsed the tune, like howling wolves at devil's moon. We've all been taught our lines, so righteous with our holy signs. We were deaf to the lies, we were blind and unkind and all. You got it. You got to watch that video. Okay, I'll watch the video. At the very end of the whole six-minute thing, and it goes in a million different directions. <clears throat> At the very end, there's a three-masted ship coming off the globe in outer space, turning into a starship, and it zooms off. And 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 the word, the name of the starship, is Esperanza. It's Spanish for hope. And it shoots off into the universe as I say goodbye. Genius. And hope is a wish. Yeah, that's it. And it's a wish. Mm-hmm. And every time I want to hate human beings for the things they say and do, I remember this. You got a dog, John? I have had dogs, yes. Yeah, yeah, they're happy, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't know they're going to die. Yeah. That's true. That is a very you want, you want brutally see, honest way to say it. Yep. You want to see an angry animal kingdom? Uh, let them know they're all dying. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. What a unique way to think about that. I love that. I've never thought of that before. Um, let's talk about Last Guitar Hero. The music plays for free tonight From the cold red parasites of the blood of their creators The player stands there all alone Shreds his fingers to the bone Everywhere he looks Nothing but traitor Whatever skill that you possess The new machine makes you second best They're working hard, you know it's true They're finally enough to replace you Because I read the story where you reach out to Tom Morello. I don't know if you're familiar with my work. And Tom Morello's like, are you kidding? I'm I, I'm from Chicago. Believe me, I know sticks. I love sticks. Right? Now, when you wrote that song, did you have Tom in mind? Only Tom and his style and his solo is going to work here. What was the thinking? Jim Peterick and I wrote it together three years ago. <clears throat> ah. These are the songs we're contemplating from volume one. And I said, let's hold that one. Let's hold that one. Let's take the Beatles song, put it on the second. Because I did Julian Lennon on volume one. Yep. Too many Beatles. Yes. So 
we write, it's time to put the solo on, play the guitar, right? Who's the last guitar hero? I met Tom at an Adam Sandler party four years earlier, and he told me it was a Styx fan. Mm -hmm. And four years go by. I'm not going to be presumptuous and say, right. hey, hey, Tom, remember? Yeah. Um, so send me the song, he says. You, 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 you dug Mr. Roboto. I tell my bandmates that for Christ's sake. I think everyone loves Mr. Roboto, even you're if it's head in rager. a guilty way. You're the head <laughs> rager for sake. Nobody said, JY can't be you. You are, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're the meanest, angriest guy on the planet. So right. he says, I love this song. Okay. He's in. He sends it to me. Case closed. Uh-huh. Okay. Wow. So uh, that's the story. Now, this, the song is not really about guitar players. It is kind of. Mm -hmm. It's draped in the imagery and the metaphor of the last guitar player. It's about technology again and how it replaces human beings. Mm -hmm. And at some point, human beings got to say, you know, isn't technology going faster than I can think? Aha. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Got to make a bargain with it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. <clears throat> I love it. Interesting. Um, I, I'm going to want to ask a personal question. And if this is, I hope this is okay. Um, <clears throat> you and your wife, Suzanne have blessedly been married for like 51 years. And as you know, that is an outlier in show business. And I've won. And I wonder if that has ever your commitment to your wife and your family and your relationship, has that ever worked against you? Because I'll tell you why there's a, there used to be a, basketball player for the Sacramento Kings named Doug Christie. And he and his wife had made a commitment that she was going to go to every game and travel with him, go to every outs, you know, a uh, uh, road game. Every time he makes a basket, he raises his hand to like tribute to her. And he got a lot of heat for this from other people. Like you can't do anything without your wife. And instead you look at it in a beautiful way. It's a commitment they've made to each other. They both know what happens on the road. What could what pitfalls there are out there? Let's stay extra committed to each other. And I feel like, in a way, you guys kind of do that. Did that ever work against you? I was married with a kid before I got a record deal. Yeah, I had a different perspective on the whole thing, being being responsible for another human being. And Suzanne and I met when we were in high school, and we're so similar in our backgrounds. So. She's been the muse in so many of, of, of my songs mm -hmm. because I, I write about what I know. I understand how much she loves me, how much I love her, what the family means, what the kids mean. This is the antithesis of the grand illusion of the rock star, mm -hmm. the hedonistic. Is it hedonistic or hedon? Anyway, I would say one hedon. of those. Yeah. The hedonistic behavior of sex, drugs, rock and roll, parties. You know, stupidity, ignorance, under the guise of coolness. <clears throat> I always tell people, the people that I knew when I grew up in the 50s, when there were greasers, right? Mm -hmm. And when I grew up in Chicago, I say all the really cool people I knew as a kid are either dead or in jail. Mm -hmm. Rock stars pretend to be cool. Mm -hmm. It's an image. It's an illusion. Mm -hmm. And I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy now. I was never that guy. I didn't try to hide it, but it doesn't play into 
the disingenuous nature of who your musicians need to be. And it comes from the writing community as much as anything. Somehow you have to be a starving, crazy, anti-establishment rebel to fit their definition. And here's my definition to them. (laughs) That's not fingers, both of them. That's not true. I am what I am. I'm not apologizing. If you don't like me, I think Billie Eilish is available. She has a new record. (laughs) There are a lot of things. A lot of people, Keith Richards, he's still out there. He's 108. Mm -hmm. Um, You can still like him. Yeah. I read Keith Richards' book. That's at page 270. I put it down. Mm. Because it got to be the repetition of behavior. Yeah. You know, and I thought, I'm not interested in that as much as, Keith, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. How did you make that music? And the whole lifestyle is, has it hurt me? I don't know. I oh, have okay. no idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea except for it's just what I chose. Yeah. Yeah. People can't uh, square having a rock star and a devoted family man in the same personage they it doesn't work that way but you showed them that it could i think it's a beautiful thing i was just curious yeah okay one other thing i miss your podcast i used to listen to your podcast i loved it i think you know this you belong in the catskills doing stand-up comedy and when you do your spoken word thing pull out a song and riff on it for 15 20 minutes that is golden dennis de young right there you can stop making records if you want, but I feel like you have a future in, uh, you know, 15 to 20 minute fun podcasts. That, that came to me. These people down in um, Steve Smith, my buddy at uh, Cox, you should, <clears throat> you got to do one of these. I just did. I did it for a year and I thought, I need you and I, see, I, yeah. I me by myself. I thought this guy, I hate this, this guy. So, but you need yin and yang, the, 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 uh-huh. you know, serve volley yeah. <clears throat> to make it really interesting. And I tried to do it all by myself. The last one I did was with my wife and I thought it was one of the best ones. Cause we were I just, remember it. Yeah. It was just silly, but I got tired of it <clears throat> and uh, I was doing it for free. Yeah, that's true. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm good with not, not, not being in, in your face all the time. I'm yeah. okay with it. Okay. I'll sit on the Oh, my wife will make pizza and I'll watch the White Sox or the Bears. Okay. Yeah. okay. What's on Netflix? Oh, God. None other, not, not another uh, mass murderer is a serial killer. Oh, there's one in Danish. Right. <clears throat> <laughs> um, do you play golf? What are you going to do? I loved golf and I hurt my back. I've had a, oh. <clears throat> I've had a cracked vertebrae in my back since 1982. I, I don't play golf. I, I am... A boring, uninteresting person until I'm talking about something. Right. I've got the gift. I've got the gift of gab. Yeah. But <clears throat> um, other than that, I you know what do I do? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I've done a lot. Yeah. You know, people said you. How are you going to go see your, the White Sox this year when your buddy Tony Larusa is in the pennant race? I said I had season tickets for ten years. I've seen four World Series. I've seen two All-Star games. I've been to baseball games. Mm-hmm. You know? 
at some point you go, eh, eh, eh. there's a ball. Guys are running, trying to chase, trying to hit. <clears throat> you see what happens? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, uh, like I said, you know, when you're getting old is when you go, yeah, the pizza doesn't excite me. <laughs> it, it still does in my case. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm just wondering what Dennis is going to do to entertain himself now that um, no more albums, not a sticks reunion, at least not yeah. coming I up anyway. Be, God willing, in the creek, don't think I'll be on tour next year. Oh, I hope so. I hope yeah, so. But I'm all the bands that are in a hurry to run out just to see. Mm-hmm. Um, my theory is those are the bands that have really heavy alimony payments. <laughs> so <clears throat> just the theory. Yeah. I'm, I haven't, let's get frontline. Yeah. Yeah. To look into it. Um, I'm just going to wait. Yeah. Uh, next year, plenty of time. Yeah. Smart. In the meantime, there's a bunch of Dennis DeYoung live performances on. Tons of them. You're right. Tons of them. Well, uh, thanks for talking with me, Dennis. I love you a lot. And uh, there's no one like Dennis DeYoung. And I thank you. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I love the new album. Yeah, you've been a wonderful guy. And I'm glad. See, here's the thing. One last word. Yeah. Mission accomplished with you. Hmm. You're the guy I'm trying to talk to. Hmm. That's it. Thank you. I tried to talk to guys like you girls like you and i and i was successful to a point with that and what what more do you want from life and on that i'll say that's it ciao all right dennis de young uh, can you come up for air yet doesn't it feel like you're just holding on for dear life with a galloping horse or bucking bronco or something like that i love it i love that kind of excitement Dennis does all the work for you because he is so fascinating, so funny, and so honest. I love it. Now, we didn't talk at all, really, about Volume 1, which was great, 2060's Volume 1. So I wanted to play a song off of that, which is very fitting for this time in our lives. It's called With All Due Respect. And uh, it's basically sort of a, a screed against the current state of the world, specifically the media. There's a lot of truth in this. Anyway. Go check out 26 volume, uh, 26 East Volume 2. It's fantastic. Next week, we get to hear from one of the key figures in, I would say, the Lilith Fair generation. That's what's coming up next week. And it's a really touching interview that I'm really excited for everyone to hear. So I hope you'll come back and check that out. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man, for all the production work. Thanks for everything you do, buddy. And uh, you guys know you can find us on Facebook. You can like our page. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Um, We may have another bonus episode coming out this week. Hopefully so. So look out for that. Otherwise, we will see you next Tuesday. Thanks, everybody. We love you.